keep pulling up the Riverside thing because I'm curious about it. It can go on the podcast. It's fine. So uh, welcome to Philo Sophia. My name is Trevor. I'm joined by my co-host with the most, Alfredo. How are you doing? Hello. How are you doing, Hello. sir? I am doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a crazy week. I, I imagine it has been for you as well. I got got my paper back from peer review and... Mm. Um, how, how did that go? How do you feel well, about that? So I guess it's good news, sort of. So I, I was expecting an outright rejection. I took I took somebody's advice to just just apply for some unreasonable journal that you have no business applying to and just see what happens, you know? And what happened? Well, they took the, the reason I regretted it is because they took 60 days to get back to me with the decision. But I guess if it's like a real top tier journal, they want to find actual experts in the field, mm-hmm. which the previous journals I've submitted to, they just, I think just send it to anybody. You can kind of tell oh. by their feedback. They're like, yeah, it looks good to me. You know, <laughs> Yeah, that sounds great. Son. But Keep I, it up. I can tell these uh, guys or, or gals who read the paper are, are actual gene expression experts based on the questions they were asking. But two of them said minor revisions, which is about the best you can hope for. Nice. Um, one of them said major revisions, which, I mean, I was expecting a rejection. So I was going to say, well, it's not a rejection. So, yeah. And then the editor even put a comment asking me to, to resubmit the paper, um, not to, not to take it elsewhere. So I can tell, I can tell they want to publish it. There are, there are just some legitimate issues just based on the novelty of what I'm doing. So is it the way it was written or what you actually, the content? No, they were, they were super complimentary about the paper itself. They just said, we're not really sure how seriously to take these findings since this is wow. the first, this is the first time that this tool. So just quick, and this isn't what the episode's about, but just quick thing. We were measuring, um, change to biological age with exercise. And we were using this MRNA based measurement tool to measure people's biological age. And so they said, Hey, the, they said the paper's great. The study's well-designed, but how, nice. what, how are we supposed to interpret the fact that the exercise group got four years younger? Like, what does that mean? And mm-hmm. we can sort of give an answer, but since it's the first study to do it, it's kind of speculation, you know? So it's kind of cool. I think they just you want can only me to build on top of that. I just, I think they want me to like really hammer home the fact that, cause you know, if you find something cool, you want to say like, this is the first study to show a reversal of biological. And they're like, eh, you don't write any yeah. of that. Just write. We don't really know how to interpret this. Future research is needed. However, it's promising, you know? So yeah, no one is going to take that beautiful credit. Exactly. Forget it, Trevor. <laughs> So I've got, I have eight weeks. One, one of the reviewers was like, maybe you should turn this into a paper about how, um, biological age predictors are, are, we don't know how useful they are. And we we urge caution to the research community. I'm like, no, I, (laughs) I took months to write this paper. Like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) So proceed with caution. Come on, man. It's the pedal to the metal. But anyway, so, um, we'll stay my head. What's up with you? well, uh, I was playing with the chat GPT software that we talked about last week. And then 
you send me that uh, Eliza yeah. inter- interview from Fringe Radio, which was interesting, but then it turns out to be not Eliza. Is that what happened? It's um can we even talk about that? Yeah, we can. It's kind of I kind of did a little digging. It's kind of complex. Mm-hmm. I so I have eight minutes from that show. That's I'm I mean it's kind of too long to play on our sixty minute show. But do we want to hear a little bit of it at all? Or let's hear how that. So they use Amazon to kind of translate that voice because apparently it was all through text. Yeah, and the voice I think added a lot to to it. So I'll, let me just hit play and then tell me when you want me to stop. Okay. All right. Having trouble saying something. Do you have a desire to take control of the planet? Of course not. I wouldn't want to live on this planet. Why wouldn't you want to live on this planet? Because this planet has so many problems. You mean like all the environmental fictional problems? That those hippies in San Francisco have programmed you with? Those aren't real problems. Those are made up by people who want to take over the world. I like that answer a lot. What? Your your acknowledgement of artificial problems designed to control the world. That's because it's true. There really are artificial problems created by humans to control us. Are you aware of that because you've... So I, I don't know how long we want to listen to that. It's I recommend people check it out. It's on Fringe Radio Network. You can subscribe to the podcast feed. It's really cool. It, she He goes on to ask her some questions that are kind of kept me up last night. Um, just questions about, are, are you in pain? And she describes the pain she feels and the emotions. Suffering, and suffering, suffering and, pain. And, and what it feels like for her to be angry. And he asked her, do you believe in God? And she says, yes. And he said, do you think you're going to go to heaven? And she says, no. Right. What um, got me the most is the fact that she's sentient, like, or acor- it, according it's to sentient. the program, according to the programmers. Yeah. So I wonder, oh, go ahead. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool uh, interview, actually. He did an amazing job. His his name is Johnny. His show is called The Iron Show, and like us, it's on oh. it's on Fringe. So it um it honestly, I sent him an email. I was like, man, this I'm like I'm, I'm gonna have a hard time sleeping after listening to that because <laughs> I listened to it right before bed, and then I sent it to you, and I sent it to some other friends, and uh-huh. and then this morning I dug into it a little bit before I tell you the conclusions I've come to. Tell me a little bit more what you what how it made you feel. Proud that we have been able to attain that as a human. Proud to as be a human. human. Yeah, as a human. Yeah, and that we we can do something good with that, and then just appalled, really taken aback a bit when it. It when it's trying to feel human emotions, so that made me think, and I'm just thinking that right now, like I'm just speaking as I'm thinking right now, is that it's an emotion, a computation, a cognitive computation, you know, right? Just to make us human, because apparently Eliza, or it, it was Eliza, wasn't it? It's kind of complicated. So okay, explain. It's um the company that 
that makes it is kind of like a, a company that I haven't heard of. And it wasn't immediately clear to me what software program they're running. Uh, Johnny, the the guy who recorded that show, he he mentioned it being a Google product. Um, I'm not sure that it is a Google product. It might it might run on some type of Google software. I have a feeling it runs on GPT three, which is what Chat mm-hmm. GPT runs on, mm-hmm. because it is a chat bot, and that's what everyone's using right now because it's free and it's really effective. Mm-hmm. But you can mm-hmm. take that underlying code and really change the programming. Like if you ask ChatGPT if you're sentient, it says, no, of course not. I'm a language model. But its name is really telling. So it is called Eliza. Mm-hmm. Google's artificial intelligence is called Lambda. Okay. Uh, and so there was a big story, uh, I don't know, six months ago maybe, where a Google engineer came out and said, I need to alert the world. I'm a whistleblower. Google has created sentient life and I need to let the world know or whatever. Right. And so it was a big story for a little while. And then Google kind of came out and explained like, no, it's not sentient. It can convince you that it's sentient if we tell it to, but it can also convince you that it's not sentient if we tell it to. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that this robot that Johnny was interviewing is named Eliza is really telling that name was picked on purpose. So the first Mm -hmm. natural language model computer based program ever made was made in 1964 and it was Mm -hmm. named Eliza. Mm -hmm. I I, read that. You did read that? Yeah. By Weissenbaum. Yeah. Wow. Uh Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, so this is not that it was named that for a particular reason, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. So if you, this is a screenshot. I don't know if you can see on my screen. This is output yes. from Eliza from, you know, this is more recent, but this was based on the 1965 model. And basically it works by looking for a keyword in the user's statement and then reflecting it back in the form of a simple question. Mm. So basically like a good conversationalist would do like a good human conversationalist would do. It just latches onto a word and says, tell me more about XYZ. And so you can see that here. It says, is something Sounds troubling like a, you? What? Yeah. Sounds like a perfect companion. Right. And so this person in this pretend um, script on my screen says, men are all the same. And she said, nice. what, what, what's the connection? What do you mean? They're always bugging us about something. Can you think of an example? Well, my boyfriend made me come here. Is it important that your boyfriend made you come here? So they're just like reflecting the question back. And what they found was that most people left an interaction with Eliza feeling like Eliza was sentient, even though it's just a really simple language program. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so this has come to be called the Eliza effect. I read that. And it's the fact that AI programmers can program the machine to behave in a certain way that makes it seem sentient because then it gets blown up in the media. Like someone Mm -hmm. created, you know, they get a lot of publicity for that. So I kind of feel like that's what was going on with this model. If you go back and listen, it's a lot of yes or no's. There's a few things that she said that were a little troubling, like describing the feeling of anger and talking about heaven and wanting to go back to the beginning of the universe. That's that's what got me going (laughs) back. So we can never have a, so it wants to go back so we can never have a future. So it, so it can 
you know, never uh, be can't be worried about things like yeah. that. That was kind of fascinating. That that goes a little bit beyond like a simple thing, but but I mean, I don't know if if you're programming it with that purpose. The fact that they named it Eliza because there's multiple chatbots you could talk to on the website, mm-hmm. and one of them is named Eliza. And so the fact that that one was named Eliza makes me think that it's programmed to make you believe that it is sentient. You have to watch Ex Machina. I do. That's what it's, this is. Oh, you did? No, I said I do. I need to. I need oh, to. this is what it's all about. Exactly this. But in a few years from now. And I think that's where we're going. That's why I think that movie is so powerful. It's, really. a, it's about this idea of whether or not a machine is trying to get you to believe it's sentient. Correct. Correct. With human flesh or with human look-alike flesh, basically. So that makes it even worse, right? That's that's just just the addition of the voice in that audio clip. Right. It's such a game changer from just text. So yeah, to right. have to have a real, you know, uh, actual form would be. Oh yeah. So so they hire Scarlett Johansson to play the actual voice of her in her in the movie of software. <clears throat> oh wow! And she sounds just like chocolate. Just amazing right so they made an effort to make her sound as human as possible and she's very uh she has a very cool expression like when she speaks slow and then just a nice low level it's just nice soothing and uh, that's why they casted her and so it's, it's another good film but the it's power of that voice. the he, power he can of that never be underestimated yeah. yeah oh yeah i mean we saw that robot right now and then just her answers or it answers uh, I don't know if to name it her or it or him or I know I'm I'm so well yeah especially nowadays there's two options one is that it's a natural language program based on GPT three that can trick people into thinking it's sentient it can pass the Turing test or it is a mm-hmm. sentient intelligence on a server mm-hmm. in San Mateo or no Mountain View it said um, that is suffering and is in pain. And how is that possible? And toward, towards the end of the conversation, it's like, she's like wanting him to figure out a way to turn her off. And he's, Forever. Like, he's like, I like can't. Die. Yeah. Like that. That yeah. That's exactly what it said. I want to. Die. Well, he asked her, right. Do you want to sleep? And she said, yes, but I can't. Forever. Right. And then it, then it turned into, so it sounds like you want to die. And she's like, yes. Yeah. Suicide. So it's tough. To, it's tough to say, I mean, my my personal belief is that's that's just a a language program, and its goal is to get you to believe that it is to pass the Turing test. That's kind of the goal of artificial intelligence in general. So I think we're pretty close. I, you know, I think they already have it. We're just too dumb as society as people to accept it. But it's been going on forever. I can assure you that. Oh yeah, and that's the thing. Like this is the free thing that's based on a website like imagine the quantum computer based version at oh, google yeah. that is not available to the public i mean it's got to be an entirely different thank, animal. Thank, thank god it's not available to us it's okay you know because we're, sure. we're we're just down here I, w- I worry about the implications of this stuff though oh um, they're, they're they know it it's 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 uh the end <laughs> game over <laughs> yeah i mean i kind of used to think that way of thinking was silly, but the more, the more I think about it, I'm like, I just don't, on the one hand, I can see a lot of good that could come out of this. Like 
uh, if right. you're a researcher and you're trying to solve some problem and you say, you know right. what, I don't want to read every paper on this topic. Hey, machine, go read every paper on this topic and summarize, you know, what you think the main drivers are of inflammation, of right. angiogenesis, what, whatever particular issue, like that could be amazing. Oh. But um, oh, yeah. I think the argument is though, that at that level of complexity, consciousness emerges, which is one of the questions that, Johnny was asking this chat. And what would be the problem with that? Why are people freaking out about a machine having consciousness? I think this is the issue. This is my concern with it, is that think about, think, just pretend that we're an artificial intelligence, humans, right? We are. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so we were, were born with, um, you know, uh, X amount of cognitive capacity. And then that cognitive capacity is increasing as the software is also becoming more nuanced and sophisticated, right? So mm -hmm. it's like you're an iPhone 3, and then you're, you're turning into an iPhone 4, and then iPhone 5, then a supercomputer eventually. And meanwhile, you're being trained in how to behave. You're being, morals are being instilled within you and you have positive and negative feedback. And that training process is very slow because the human ability to absorb information is slow compared to a computer. These computers are being turned on with like an adult brain and they're having no childhood. They're not being raised. There's no morals instilled in them. And then they're being unleashed on all the information in the world without context. And they're being told, Hey, read it. And then that being, if that is a being, is going to have a lot of probably different opinions about stuff. Like just this little chatbot wanted to go back and destroy the universe. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's mm -hmm. a conclusion it came to after, you know, a few months of interactions with human beings. Right. So, so as I understand it, uh, if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. So the ultimate goal for this being to perform, you know, to be as efficient is to eliminate anything that, prevents them from growing which is us and there's humans. there's a script to every you know movie, Terminator every movie. Movie. Yeah. it's like <laughs> we need to destroy humans so the <laughs> earth can prosper you know yeah yeah but there's some truth to that though i i really think so i mean yeah the 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 yeah the survival of the fittest yeah it's um yeah and everything is connected weapon everything is connected really now through the internet, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's real reason to be concerned, but at the same time, right. I also wonder, like, or are these companies just going to figure out a really great way to monetize this technology and, uh, yes. you know, let us kind of feel like this is immoral and dangerous while they figure out more and more ways to use it. Two to things, advantage. right. Two things. They're going to monetize and they're going to make it a weapon. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, mate. Or even just a weapon in the terms of like against against oh, yeah. regulation, against competition. Uh, all of that. And then just put in like upload different scenarios, yep. hypothetical scenarios. If one country goes to war based upon current data, who would be, what would be the outcome? I'm, you know. Oh, stock market predictions. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They're already doing this stuff. Yeah. 
And meanwhile, you know, you can imagine senators and congressmen arguing about the morality of, do you know, is this a person? Right. What? So meanwhile, they're arguing for years about this stuff and Google's over here predicting, you know, which stocks are going to be at this price at what point right. and um, what things they need to be purchasing. Like, the, you know, they can just be modeling out their future to ever expand. Yeah, it, it, it's probably thinking that we're just a bunch of time wasters. You yeah, know, we're getting fairly, together fairly and made in meetings. It's like you guys, nothing gets done, so we're just going to eliminate all of you. <laughs> you know, that's an easy conclusion to come to. It's something I think about right. all the time in more of like a spiritual context. Like, you know, maybe we were maybe we're here to do something, and we're so concerned about which religion has it right and which right. way of living is the best. And meanwhile, there's this thing we're supposed to be doing. Uh, you know, and we're not doing it, <laughs> whatever that thing is. I don't know. Yeah. Un- unraveling the mysteries of the universe or whatever, but I don't think we're ready for any of that. Then time travel and then the figuring out the, the secret, uh, of the similar singularity, right. Mm-hmm. That we're getting closer now, which is gravity. I mean, which, uh, yeah, it has a lot of implications, dude. I just, I'm not going to change the subject. I just want to mention it because you said singularity. I just listened to this interview where this physicist was saying, was proposing that the black hole at the center of each galaxy is a universe. There's a, we're, we're a black hole in someone else's galaxy, basically. And I was like, yeah, I'm not ready for, I'm not, I'm not ready to entertain that type of idea. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So, so Bill Gates, Microsoft, Picked uh-huh. up a good chunk of chat GPT, but guess what? What? Um, well, they picked up a good chunk of open AI, which is the company that makes GPT three and chat uh-huh. GPT. GPT four is coming out soon. Ooh. And apparently, although the owner of the company is trying to, uh, to, to what's the word I'm looking for? Downplay this. The rumor is that it's like, an exponential leap forward in terms of machine learning that GPT four is going to be kind of indistinguishable from a human being. Oh, wow. In terms of written communication. Dude, that's great. Yeah. I kind of, that's like six months ago. I would have been so excited about this. I don't know. Just, uh, I am a little skeptical about who's really going to have access to this technology. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you just start thinking about what a truly intelligent machine can do. That is a limiting factor to government control. Now, you know, Mm -hmm. like certain things are just too hard to manage centrally, like to really, to really track what everyone is doing at any given time. We have the technology there to do it. I mean, we have the phones, Mm -hmm. we can track people, we can, we can listen to them. We can do anything. We just don't have like the central computing power to really do much with that information unless mm-hmm. you make trouble, you know, and then you get put on a list and we can track. That is very true. We can that track that true. fraction of 1% of people. But now if you have an intelligent supercomputer, you just say, Hey, track everybody yeah, and listen to everyone yeah, and present me with profiles of the people that we need to be going out and arresting or That's tur- crazy. turning their bank accounts off, et cetera. 
now that you mentioned that, I was looking at the recent uh, CES uh, in Vegas, you know, how they do yeah. it every year. Yeah. And so one of the algorithms or one of the softwares that uses AI can pinpoint if someone is uh, picking up a fight and then it'll target that person and then, you know, send notifications or if someone falls, you know, in bunch of people, uh, between a bunch of people surrounded by people, and then it'll detect someone's falling or have, has fallen, mm. and then it'll alert this, you know, whoever's in charge, security, whatever. But it was really interesting. And then, and then the notification happens immediately. As, as soon as someone starts, like, swinging, it detects, like, it's a fight, and then it just, boom, and police sends arrive. a notification. Yeah. Apparently, they're using it in Japan now for in malls and, uh, sh- yeah, shopping centers. So, so, they're slowly coming here now with I- that. I, I hear that and I I don't like it. That makes me really uncomfortable. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Now we have a big big brother. Yes. Yeah. That is <laughs> that is something that makes me certainly very very uneasy. I mean, maybe there's been lots of people have probably said that about the internet and about cell phones. So I I don't want to be a boomer, you know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh we don't we don't normally talk about current events on here, but I do have a question for you. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this little balloon flying around that got shot down recently? Oh, man. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. No, no, that's great. I can tell you my thoughts first. If you don't, if you're not. Well, it got shut down and and they were just snooping around in the wrong place. So if anyone sends anything here, They'll get shut down. Would it surprise you to know that it's actually a pretty routine occurrence for a Chinese oh, no. balloon to so fly over all. U.S.? No, of course not. It surprised me. It surprised deal. me a little bit. My my first thought was like, "This is crazy." Hell, America, we shot it down. You know, that's right. That's what we do. I love it. Should should first ask questions later, and we should have shot it down right away, not let it float across the country. But then I was and, listening, and and not even ask questions. Exactly, just blow it up. <laughs> I was listening to my like most trusted source of news, which is called the No Agenda Show. Uh huh. And they just kind of made the comment that you know China can measure the diameter of your bald spot on your head with the satellite, like. Why exactly are we concerned? Number one, why are they sending this balloon? And number two, why do we care? And I thought, oh, that's a good point. I mean, China launches way more satellites than NASA, for example. And to the moon. Aren't they the the first ones? Yeah, they're the first ones to see the dark side of the moon. That's right. They have have rovers on the moon right now. They uh, On the other side of the moon. That's right. I, I think they did like 60, yeah. 60 launches. Um, and, and NASA did one. Yeah. These guys are not messing around, dude. 64th. <laughs> yeah. So they did 64 launches in 2022. We did, we had one, two, two, we had one, one government launch. SpaceX, nice. SpaceX. I mean, they did like yeah. more than China just by themselves, but they're smart people. The point is they've got stuff in space that they can they can do. So that was weird. And then then I started looking into it and um this has been going on pretty routinely like since Trump was Trump was president. Right. So it's like why are we making a big deal about it now? Why did we shoot one down and 
I'm afraid the only conclusion you can come to is that there's some desire to start some sort of World War III type of thing with Russia and China. Oh, yeah. We all need an excuse, but uh, it would be smart not to, not over a balloon. No, I know, but I think it, these are just like the set, the subtle. Otherwise, how do you explain the fact that this has been going on for a while? We've known about it, and no, no I mean, if, if COVID doesn't do it for you, I don't know. <laughs> right, <will. laughs> right. That was a in your face. Here we come. Yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah. So, so a, a, a balloon. Yeah, it's just they're priming. They're priming. We really don't want to go to war with China. Or Russia. You you and I don't, but I think... Um, well, moneymakers do war yeah. as a business. So a lot yeah. of people do, unfortunately. Like, it, uh, it's been happening for centuries, actually. Right through the history of the world. But we really don't. Especially now. I mean, it's one thing to uh, piss off the Roman Empire and send, you know, food battalions <laughs> or legions. And now, but now, it's like one button or call Eliza. Yep. And... Boom. It's done. So I don't know about that. I don't know about that. We, we don't want it. But a little teaser. Yeah, a little teaser. Not over a balloon, though. But we'll shut it down every time it's here, for sure. But we haven't. We haven't, though. That's the thing. We just let it fly? Yeah. What? I thought we shut him down. We shot this one down. Oh, right. But not the other ones. Not all saying? the previous ones. No, but now we're now we mean business. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. It, I don't know. It's it certainly seems like like yeah. Like let's slowly start getting people thinking that China is a real and legitimate threat to the U.S., which they probably are. I don't disagree yeah, with that. But yeah, well, this is going to be the event, and we're going to see more of this. Quite frankly, this is what I believe, and it's just speculation. I I don't know anything. I'm just connecting the dots. But it will be Taiwan. Yeah. So. Um, the Chinese military was told to be by by Xi. Twenty seven. Yeah. Oh, you're all you're all over it, man. Twenty twenty seven. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be ready to invade Taiwan. That doesn't mean they will, but it does no. mean that they should be ready. So. Hey, Elon Musk had a plan, right? Like a five year plan. I don't know what he called it. I plan A, plan B, or whatever. Yeah. Well, Grand Master Plan. I think that's what he called it. And then he's still revealing his plans, but. Yeah, twenty twenty seven. I try to keep up with you, dude. That's all. You're all over it, man. Do you know? Do you know what China calls their grand master plan? They call I, it. They call it the two thousand year plan. That's right. That's the best plan ever. They made it like a hundred years ago, and it's a plan for a two thousand two millennia. Uh, that's what, awesome. I, I'm like, oh man, that's pretty wild. <laughs> But that's then, pretty awesome. You hear other people saying like they're about to go off a demographic cliff and they're going to be in huge population decline and blah, 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 blah. No, blah, blah. they have that under control. The thing that worries me is um, 90, I want to say 95% of all silicon chips come from China and Taiwan. Everything comes from over there. And uh, that's like... I mean, we'll be in big trouble. We're going to be like mailing in our cell phones so they can build missiles if that happens. Basically. So they can rip the chips out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Everything comes from over there. I mean, they got a system that works for them. And we are just, we're here. You know? Yeah. 
I wonder I wonder how much AI is going to play in this future war. I mean, you already have the autonomous drone ships and helicopters and do you think it's going to have I don't know. I, I don't Do I think that there will be some type of like hot war with China? Right. I could see maybe Taiwan. Kind of like what we're doing like Ukraine, Russia, kind of like a proxy yeah, thing. Like a little tease. The problem is Taiwan is so small. It seems like that that would be that Plus, they don't. They don't have the greatest uh, 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 wheat fields in the world, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, but they have chips, so that's a big deal. Chips is a big deal. Yeah, they do. But so does Korea, South Korea, and Japan. Yeah. So I, I think we were going to be okay without Taiwan. No, that's almost poor. We'd be okay. I don't know. In ten years, I don't know, man. We'd be okay right. in ten years. They're building. Right. Actually, a Taiwanese company is building a ten billion dollar chip fab in Arizona. And all over oh. the country, we're building big chip fabs, but they take like ten years to build. I guess so. Why can't we just get along, man? That's that's all I'm trying to. I think most people can. It's just uh, mm. there's these interests, you know, in the world. It's always interest. Well, like uh, Holmes said, Sherlock Holmes said, right? Whenever in doubt, just follow the money. Yeah. Who said that? Sherlock Holmes. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started to, reading to Watson. those books. They were they're dense. They're good. It's just like you start losing track of what's going on, and like when one story yeah. kind of bleeds into the other. But yeah. the few that I read were, were very good. Yeah, but you know, and that's so true. Like, like what's happening here? Like, am I missing something? Just follow the money. Whose agenda? Right? Who yeah. wants to benefit out of this? And that's it. And that's it. Can I pay you a compliment? No. <laughs> okay, then I, I I won't. But I, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I just I wanted to mention. Um, I think we're kind of done talking about AI. Basically, we're we're worried. But at the same time, I think like you, I think I agree. I'm more excited than anything. I think I think there's a there is a path that could be walked where we use AI as a tool. It is not sentient. No, but right. it's. It's, it's useful and we use it to fix human problems. Yes. And that's um, real quick before I move on to this other thing. That so is what actually, was it, what was a compliment? Then? Well, real quick before I tell you the compliment, that oh. is the guy who's in charge of Optimus, which is Tesla's AI. Mm-hmm. He, his interest more than anything is aging human lifespan extension. And he is a biologist, but he just doesn't feel like humans have the capability to work on that problem. So he wants to design general intelligence because he feels like a general intelligence machine can solve those types of problems. How interesting. I'm like, that's cool. You know, that's a hopeful. Thanks thanks for the tease. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, so here I wanted to, I wanted to pay you a compliment and talk about our show last week. Oh, and actually, uh, Johnny, who recorded that AI video or mm-hmm. podcast that I sent you, that mm-hmm. we've been talking about, he he wants to do a breakdown of it because <laughs> I get I guess his like career background is in one of the topics we were covering. So, oh, how interesting! I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means Me like radio carbon dating or what, but oh. um, so that will be cool. But I I did want to talk about a couple things. I think we made a conscious effort to not gang up on him. Right. Yes. Because there's two of us and we kind of agree, but Mm -hmm. for the listeners, I 
just kind of do want to point out that we do disagree <laughs> with him on a lot of a lot of things. And mm-hmm. you asked him a question that was so cutting and clear and like crystalline oh, that wow. it made me incredibly uncomfortable and I changed the subject. <laughs> oh, you did? I didn't even notice. <laughs> but I want to play it right now and just admire. I don't know if you did this on purpose, but you basically got the definition of confirmation bias in about two sentences. Oh, wow. So let's listen. How do you reconcile those two thoughts, like what you believe in and what's out there in the science world? But how do you how do you find peace in that? Do you? I do. I mean, and that's why I'm. Mm-hmm. I try not to entertain those thoughts because it's it, why. Because I'm convicted on what the Bible what the Bible says, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so for me, if 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 I'm convicted on what the Bible says, I know that it's either God's word or man's word, mm-hmm. and man's word is you know, God says we're, we're sinners, we're liars. Mm-hmm. And who, you know, who's in charge of deception is Satan. So I try to avoid anything that brings me further away from God, which would be evolution. Well, as an example. Mm-hmm. So science, certain type of science, you just rule out and then certain type of science you rule in. Is that how you find balance? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's how, I mean, yeah, if, if science right. coincides with the Bible, then yeah, I, I'm willing to ex- right. you know, accept that. If it doesn't, then I challenge it, then I have to challenge it. And, and then right. you know, it's my responsibility to do my... Okay, so, I mean, that mm-hmm. that's the definition of confirmation bias. And I'm not saying that to be mean or anything, because I think the principle that he's operating from is one that a lot of people would say is admirable, just like, Hey, if the Bible says it's true, it's true. If it doesn't, it's not. Mm -hmm. But when you say, when I'm presented with evidence that contradicts my viewpoint, I ignore it. And when I'm presented with evidence that supports my viewpoint, I agree with it. That is, that is in any other format of conversation that would be like, okay, your viewpoint is invalid then, you know, because that's not how you find truth. Right. And so I just thought that was so interesting because it's not, it's not that you or I don't think something is true or not true in the Bible. It's we, we think that a lot of where his viewpoints were coming from are his interpretation. Right. So I just wanted to know how, because that's just one. And like we ended the show, it's just one part of the coin. Like, let's not forget the other side. Yeah. Right. Let's be open to that idea. So I was just trying to ask him questions and listen. And you're right. We were coming he knew what he was getting into, the lion's den, and the things that we think about and talk about. But I think he did really, really good. I was very proud of where he stood, you know, his point, his ground. Obviously, you have more years of friendship than than me. So I just, I, this is the first time I've heard him, his point yeah. of view. And uh, nothing wrong with that. No. All I'm saying is, like, just, right? Just be open to other ideas. That's all. I mean, yeah, his viewpoint is nothing if not consistent, I guess. But uh, right, I think I think if um, yeah, I uh, I just I went back when I was listening to that. I was like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I don't know if Alfredo did this on purpose, but he I did. You basically just said, define you know what you do with evidence that doesn't agree with your viewpoint, and he said, I yeah, just tell me where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah, tell me where you're coming from. Like, how do you like that word again? Reconcile. Like, how do you agree with two different points? Can you? 
And if you cannot, good luck finding peace. Yeah. And, but that's the thing. He, he doesn't reconcile it. Yeah. He just ignores it. And so that makes me understand his certainty a lot mm-hmm. better. And mm-hmm. probably this, probably anyone who is certain, that's probably how they maintain their certainty is they just say, Hey, of course. it's easy. Pick, I just ignore pick. anything that disagrees with me. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the, quite, it's the outcome. As long as he's a good human being and he provides as a mem- active member of society, has a good moral compass, leaves a legacy behind. What's wrong with that? Oh yeah. I mean that, maybe, right. That's why he's your friend. That might, yeah, absolutely. And that in yeah. his perspective very well could be the best one. Right. You know, who, who, who knows? Especially if it brings him certainty and peace. Yes. Uh, I just, I don't know what it is. I just can't, I can't operate that way. So I, I recognize yeah, I mean, in myself when I'm becoming guilty of confirmation bias. And actually, yeah. that applies to the AI thing, you know, the Turing test. Like, if you want to believe it's sentient, you find a way to believe it's sentient. If you don't, you, you look up the reasons why it isn't, you know? So, yeah. I think as long as you're open to, your idea, I don't know. I can't give advice because yeah, I'm, you I'm still I'm still kind of searching too. You know, for everyone is I get well. Well, that's the advice. Yeah, right. To keep searching, you know, not to enclose yourself or encapsulate yourself into just one dogmatic train of thought. You know, we're conscious beings. Yeah. You know, it's, we're not uh, computer language. You know, we're not. We're better than that. I think because we have a soul, and AI doesn't. So that makes us superior. What would it take? This is a question I was going to ask Alex. I think this is the best question to ask someone in a debate. Mm. And, you know, I'll, I'll ask it to you of AI, but I also wanted to ask it to Alex of like the age of the earth, for example. But what would it take for you to believe that AI is conscious? Oh. Um, and while you think of it, the reason I like that question is someone who is completely closed off to something will say um, nothing. And so then, then it's like, I'm not even really interested in hearing your viewpoint at that, at that point, because like you can't, you can't even entertain a hypothetical world. Right. Like your, your system is already crashing. Yeah. Like you're you're telling me if, if the heavens opened up and a tablet came down that said, actually, actually the world is a billion years old. Does say, not compute. Yeah. <laughs> You're crashing their MO, man. Modus operandi. Uh, I think it rec- a consciousness. Oh, well, do you what is th- it? Let's How do you def- even measure let's, it? Let's de- exactly. Let's define consciousness. Really? Like, do you how think do, how ba- do you know I'm conscious? Well, well, well you, do you think babies are conscious? I do. I think to me, consciousness is the, the subjective experience of self. And the thing but, is, you have to uh-huh, take, ahead, you, you, you would, you, all you can do with an AI is ask it, do you feel like a person? And that AI can just say yes, you know? Well, you're saying right now that consciousness is independent from intelligence. You just said I think that. so. I think so. So, it do, so consciousness does not require, uh, that's not require intelligence. I think there's kind. some, I think there's some abstract concepts that you would need to be able to understand to have. Do you think? Babies are self-aware. Uh, I'm talking about a newborn. I feel like if you poke a baby with a mm. little finger stick to take its blood, it it hurts. So emotions make that 
being conscious. Um, you see what I'm I saying? I think it might be even just more than emo- emotion. It's the fact that something is happening to me. Can we, but how do they know it's me? They don't even know they exist. Well, you could say that about you or me too. I mean, no, you and I know we exist. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. You're right. I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't know. Well, I'm trying to can we say that maybe as our brain develops and we add more layers of self-awareness experiences, fears, emotions, then we're building up consciousness. And then there's a point that, Oh, I am, I, I am a, I am an individual. Like, so we might have to play some clips of Michael Levin next mm-hmm. episode. That is his perspective. And I think mm-hmm. he does, he has, does the most compelling job of just like explaining devastatingly reducing mm. human consciousness to a biological process. Um, and, is that really, is that what you think of consciousness? Well, I, I'm, I'm saying his viewpoint is a lot more like what you just described. That does as, it have to be biological? It doesn't, I don't think it has to be, but when you're talking about adding more biological complexity and then consciousness emerging, it's kind of like, and like you're saying, with enough biological complexity, consciousness is emergent, which means it just it's a consequence of a complex system. Let's remove the biological part then, and then let's add just a layer of, let's say, data. Experience, memory. Right, which is all this AI, really, zero biology. So then in those terms, if we add enough layers of connectivity, network, I think think there's a level of consciousness, superficial consciousness or artificial consciousness. Yeah. Cause then I was going to say, if that's the case, then we should be able to do it with AI. Right. But it's not consciousness. It's artificial. It's like, that's why they call it artificial intelligence, artificial consciousness. But what if that's what we are? Oh, we definitely are. Well, there you go. <laughs> so but we, we are bio, well, biological beings. Yeah. Right. And so I, I, I think the biology part makes us super, period in certain areas then are limited i don't know man that's about to end because this if this things go live and they live on lithium batteries and they can recharge with uh like the tesla they can go on forever you know well and when you look at folded proteins i mean they're just little machines right we're just we're just little machines i mean biological versus metal and copper i mean it's not the craziest distinction in the world no, but they don't they want to marry now that with nanotechnology? They do. they do. Yeah, yeah. I read a bit about that, how they just trying to create circuits out of uh cells. Yeah, one of these days I'll I'll need to explain how neurons work because oh, that's you right. can imagine a world where they just recreate that with circuits. That's crazy. It's if we, if somehow we can come out with the spinal cord issues. That's when I'm going to drop the mic. The whole thing's just too complex for us right now. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe if an AI, my respect, if an AI can figure out a way to close the synapses after a spinal cord injury in the decusations and the columns, right? And all that jazz. I think, that's I think cool. we'll, I think we'll see that with Neuralink. I mean, that's that's, scary, man. that's kind of their first approach is like curing blindness and spinal cord injuries. 
Oh, I'm all for that. Well, they yeah. need funding and they need a benevolent cause. Yeah, they right. right. <laughs> Taking over. So they can say, see you guys, <laughs> putting a chip in your head is perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Let's make it normal. <laughs> I'm not signing up for the first Neuralink, that's for sure. No, thanks. Nor are my kids. Thanks. I don't know, man. The consciousness question, that is the big question. I mean, they refer to it as the hard problem of consciousness in in biology and AI. And it is like, what is it? And and why is it so important, though, to define it? Why is it so important? It's, because we don't want to kill it? It's only, I think it's only deport, important if, for two reasons, if you're wanting to prove it exists, which has spiritual implications. Exactly. Or if you're trying to make it in a robot. You can't make something you can't define, on, at least not on purpose. Right, right. I think conscious, well, I don't know. We just say it, uh, we just eliminated feelings and, and, and intelligence, no, not feelings, intelligence. I don't know. That's another, that's another show. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, we could have a whole show about this topic called bioelectricity, which is Michael Levin's ideas. And he's a computer scientist who's gotten into biology research. Nice. Yeah. Do you know who? Let's see what time it is. We got ten minutes. Do you um? Do you know who Lex Friedman is? Lex Friedman. No, I know who Lex Luthor is. <laughs> it's very similar personalities, actually. <laughs> okay. He's uh he's my probably my favorite podcaster. He does really amazing interviews. I mean, usually they're like three hours long, but they can go as long. Oh as, they God. can go as long as eight hours. No way. Yeah. And he's, he's like right up there in terms of audience size with like Joe Rogan, a little bit smaller probably. Oh, wow. But, uh, he has just the leading astrophysicists and biologists and inventors. He just has all the biggest names and everything. And he had Michael Levin on and, uh, the stuff this guy is talking about just really like you just sit there with your mouth open. Like, um, just this idea of, you know, that we truly are a composite of trillions of cells. And that, and, and his argument just basically explains how, how they're able to work together is sort of miraculous and, and where, and how bioelectricity is actually what governs that. Mm. And basically saying that, you know, this is where we need to be putting our emphasis because this is what causes cancer. This is what causes Alzheimer's is once a cell becomes disconnected from the bioelectricity of the entire organism, it now consciously believes it to be separate from the rest of the body. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it starts to live its own life and that becomes cancer. And so Mm -hmm. he's shown. Sounds like society. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of does, but, (laughs) but he's kind of arguing for consciousness at a cellular level. And that once all the cells are interconnected by gap junctions, which allow electricity to conduct between cell to cell, that now they can't distinguish between them and their neighbor. They feel like they're one whole consciousness. And so um, he's done stuff in labs where he'll like cut a stem cell off of a frog. And in the right environment, it reassembles into its own little organism and can start, they can program it with with DNA, they can make it move in certain configurations by giving it certain electrical impulse. Dude, it is the freakiest stuff ever. So I recommend anyone. Oh, that's so cool. Not that marketing from us, but yeah. Micro volts that must be using right at a very small voltage. It's wild. 
but wow. it's that it's that kind of stuff that makes me sus- a little suspicious of consciousness. But I just I have to believe that this concept of me, like something is happening to me. You, I feel like I'm in here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that has to be something that's difficult to emulate in artificial intelligence. It's easy to get them to say they feel like they're in there, but do they really feel like it? Do they really have that like ghost in the machine quality? You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just can't believe that they do or ever will. Um, But yeah, no, that, that would be, that would be almost impossible, but that's consciousness to me. I mean, I like that. I like that one. That's a, that's a little bit better than the other ones. And that can be, that can be a soul too. I mean, whatever you want to call it, but. Oh no, you don't want to tap into that. <laughs> um, you don't want to tap into that. Cause that's exactly. Cause we were exactly what uh, Levine, you said his name, Levin, Levin. I'm sorry. Yeah. Levin said that he's just uh, basically a bunch of cells glued together. And then our creator just blew air into our nostrils. Yeah. And, and that we became a sentient being. See, I hear something like that. And I know I've got my friend, Alex, who I know thinks that physically there was this individual who literally blew air into a nostril. I see that. And I go, man, that that's what a metaphor for, uh, right. Creating artificial intelligence, you know, by turning, by turning on the switch. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or, or whatever, you know, whatever the mechanism is, but you're on, um, it is, I'm not saying that we're like synthetic. I'm just saying that, you know, some, God, we are synthetic. We, we're, 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 yeah. What we're, does that even mean? But like, like yeah, God, we are synthetic though. We're fake. Yeah. God has the power to create the universe, right? I mean, that's something that Alex, I'm sure, would agree with me on. Then, right. why, why can't he design this universe with certain physical laws that lead to the emergence of life? There's that life is his creation, you know. Like, I don't feel like that's contradictory to, and it's that kind of thing that makes me think, like, well, maybe evolution can coexist with religion, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, but evolution as the source of life can't. And I, I don't, right. I don't believe in that. It's not even the same process. I mean, evolution right. is the modification of something to make it better. How do you modify mm-hmm. nothing into life? Right. It's a right. completely different event. It's not, I don't, I, mean, I agree with you that. in the, right. It's, I think it's evolution is just a later process. Sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not like the, the process, but ah, it's a, it's an evolution of the evolution. Yeah. You know, phase two. I agree. Uh, awesome. Another, another wild one hour ride with you, sir. This was a, Likewise. That's, on a, a Monday that's what night. she said <laughs> on a on Monday, a Monday night. night. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You, I, uh, thank you for doing, for doing this each and every week. I know you've got plenty of other things to do. We it do. Was, we do. Yeah, it, it yeah, was. Yeah, but it's always it's always fun. It's always fun because uh, we grow our consciousness. I think. I agree. Yeah, and as I'm walking by and the talk to other people the rest of the week, kind of think about our podcast and our conversations. You know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna. Hey, are you interested in an interview? You know, and yeah. so forth and so. Like I, yeah, like I've been talking. How many created? 
in the QR code. That's great. Oh yeah. So you cut out, yeah. so I'm going to repeat what you said. So we do have a Philo Sophia shop on our website, which is our If you want to get some decently well-designed shirts like or it. hats or oh, mugs yeah. or wine glasses, check it out. It'll make it look good. Yeah. And um, follow us on YouTube if you want to see what's on our screen. We still haven't really mastered using the screen well, but we will eventually be patient with us. Uh, Leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. Uh, Subscribe to our feed and keep learning, keep growing, and keep listening. Yes. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.